Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is from the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 12 through 31. Christ is like a single body, which has many parts. It is still one body, even though it is made up of different parts. In the same way, all of us, whether Jews or Gentiles, whether slaves or free, have been baptized into to one body by the same spirit. And we have excuse me. <coughs> and we have all been given the same one spirit to drink. For the body itself is not made up of only one part, but of many parts. If the foot were to say, Because I am not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not keep it from being a part of the body. And if the ear were to say, Because I am not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not keep it from being a part of the body. If the whole body were just an eye, how could it hear? And if it were only an ear, how could it smell? As it is, however, God put every part in the body just as he wanted it to be. There would not be a body if it were all only one part. As it is, there are many parts but one body. So then the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, nor can the head say to the feet, well, I don't need you. On the contrary, we cannot do without the parts of the body that seem to be weaker. And those parts that we think aren't worth very much are the ones which we treat with greater care. While the parts of the body which don't look very nice and treated with special modesty, which the more beautiful parts do not need, God himself has put the body together in such a way as to give greater honor to those parts that need it. And so there is no division in the body, but all its different parts have the same concern for one another. If one part of the body suffers, all the other parts suffer with it. If one part is praised, all the other parts share its happiness. All of you are Christ's body, and each one is a part of it. In the church, God has put all in place. In the first place, apostles. In the second place, prophets. And in the third place, teachers. Then those who perform miracles, followed by those who are given the power to heal or to help others or to direct them or to speak in strange tongues. They are not all apostles or prophets or teachers. Not everyone has the power to work miracles or to heal diseases, or to speak in strange tongues, or to explain what is said. Set your hearts, then, on the more important gifts. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. That was a long one. Thank you, Diana. <laughs> Many of you know that I am part of the Greater Finley Area Emmaus community. The walk to Emmaus, for those who haven't been on it, is a weekend worship experience. The word retreat is not really the best word for it, but there's really not a great word to explain Emmaus. The walk to Emmaus happens several times during the course of the year. There are men's walks and women's walks, and the funny thing about it is you really don't walk at all. You sit a lot, and you listen. You're taught a lot. The walk to Emmaus experience includes time spent in quiet with God, time of surrender, time of joy, time of worship, communion, and lots of learning. You learn a lot about God, 
about grace, about the Wesleyan understanding of grace, about the church and community and our personal discipleship. It's a wonderful experience. If you ever have any questions about it, feel free to ask me. But I'm not here this morning to recruit you to participate in a walk to Emmaus. I'm here to talk about the kind of community that I've seen as part of the walk, which I'm sure is not just a, a facet of the walk to Emmaus or the, the Emmaus community. I'm sure you see it in other places. But as I pondered, as I thought about our scripture reading from this morning from 1 Corinthians, I was thinking about diverse communities who come together and act as one, like the Apostle Paul is talking about here. St. Paul is talking to a diverse group of people in Corinth. Some of the listeners, some of the people that he wrote this letter to, have a great standing, a great place in their community. Some are lesser. Some have lesser standing. But Paul is speaking to all of them, reminding all of them that each has their own place in the body of Christ. Paul is talking about the church as a community, but not necessarily just the local church. We can think about our local congregation here at St. Paul's and our own individual places in that community. We can think about our place here, but then, and, and what I believe the word is, is calling us to do is to stretch our thinking, to think beyond our local congregation to realize that we all have a place in the wider community. We all have a place. We all have a place beyond St. Paul's in our Fife Church Parish. But even more than that, we all have a place in the Greater Easter Ohio Conference and, the, and in the Worldwide United Methodist Church. But I think Paul is stretching us even beyond denominational boundaries, and he is saying, no, think beyond all of that because really... The church, the universal church, is where we find our place. The greater body of Christ. The worldwide church, God's universal community. Paul is talking about the Christian community as being the body of Christ. And he's emphasizing that all persons have a place in the body of Christ. That all persons are gifted by God to serve as an integral part of the body. And as I was reading and pondering this word from the Apostle Paul, as I was thinking of how he talks about the body not being able to function at its peak or even sometimes function at all without all parts of the body, my mind drifted beyond our local congregation, beyond our church, to the community that I've seen at Emmaus. So I want to tell you a little bit about that. When you participate in a walk to Emmaus, you're called a pilgrim. And there can be up to 30 pilgrims on a walk. And that doesn't sound like a big deal. 30 people? You know, we've all been to, to conferences or weekend retreats or something where you have a gathering of 20, 30 people. 30 sounds like a reasonable number, but here's the difference. And here's where I see the Christian community in the Emmaus community the kind of Christian servanthood that we are hearing in this word today. There are 30 pilgrims at maximum. When I went on my walk to Emmaus, there were 30. That was a full walk. I've served on teams where there have been 10 pilgrims 
but God in his wisdom gives you exactly or places you exactly where you're supposed to be. On those times that there were 10 pilgrims, we could not have handled one more. The need was great in those 10 people. So in my walk, there were 30. In order for these 30 pilgrims to participate in this three-day worship experience, 25 people serve on a leadership team. That's almost a one-to-one ratio. 25 people meet for five weeks prior to every Saturday, all day. They give up one full day out of their weekend to gather and to pray for the team, to pray for one another, to pray for the speakers, to pray for the, the coming pilgrims. They gather to work together to plan and coordinate the 72 hours that they'll share together. These 25 people are the face of the Emmaus community for the pilgrims. They lead them through their weekend. They're the ones that the pilgrims get to know. You're thinking, okay, so now we're at, what, 55 people? But behind the scenes, there are more than 200 people that come in and out of the church to make the walk happen. There are people who pray. There's a a 72-hour prayer vigil. So 72 hours is how long the walk is. There's someone praying, or at least one someone, possibly a couple someones, signed up to pray 24 hours a day through those 72 hours. So there's 72 more people committed. There are people who come in and prepare meals. They prepare, they serve, they clean up three times a day. This is a United Methodist Church, so you know there's food. They come and they cook. So they come, these people who, who come in and may never even see the face of one pilgrim, but they come in and they serve. There are people who come in and speak. There are 15 different speakers Four or five of them are clergy, the rest are laity. They come in and they speak. There are people who come in for entertainment to sing and to put on little shows. And and all of these people number over 200 strong. And they may never know the name of any one pilgrim that they're coming in and whose life, life they're affecting. They come in silently to serve with no fanfare. Also, these people, these men and these women, can feel the love of Christ. Also, they can feel that agape love, that love without expectation. They're all walks of life, all all abilities, all ages come together. Over 200 people come into one space in 72 hours to show God's love. And beyond that, there's a worldwide community who steps up and prays for the team and for the pilgrims. Most of these people will never lay eyes on a pilgrim. Some of them will never know anything more than their name, and some won't even know that. They'll just know that one of God's children has committed to be on this walk to Emmaus, and so they come to serve them. They come and they serve as part of the body of Christ. They serve as part of the larger church. This is not just a Methodist uh, movement. It began as a, as a Catholic, actually, uh, movement, Curcio, and the Methodists kind of took it and, and made some of their own, but it's ecumenical. It's, it's non-denominational, people from all sorts of uh, faith backgrounds, and some with not much faith background have come 
and been impacted. It's amazing. And I remember the first time I served on a team, I was amazed. I had been on the walk as a pilgrim. But the first time, it was like seeing how it all worked. It was like getting a glimpse behind the curtain where the wizard was. You know, because when you're a pilgrim, you're all self-interested. You're kind of doing your thing. But then when I saw everything that went into creating this experience for people, when I saw that St. Mark's, the building in Finley where Greater Finley Area Emmaus meets, that building was alive with people at all hours of the day and night for 72 hours, people slipping in, slipping out, just to serve people and to make them feel loved. And so it amazed me that these people would come in as quietly as they could, slip in, serve, and slip out just so they could share the love of God literally being the hands and feet of Jesus. And they gave God all the glory and praise. That is the kind of community that Paul is talking about here. People of all ages, abilities, understandings, and gifts coming together to serve in whatever way is possible. People come and use their own gifts to praise God in service. No one is turned away. Everyone has a place. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone's gift is recognized and utilized. No one is more important than another. No gift is more appreciated than any other. Because without any one part, the walk would not function as it's supposed to. Each volunteer is vital to the whole. See, in our scripture reading for today, the Apostle Paul is reaching out to to some members of the Corinthian community who were feeling as if their gifts weren't as vital as the whole, who were seeing the kind of front and center people who get all of the, the attention. He was speaking to those who felt less, less gifted, less able, less capable, less worthy, less significant. Those who may even have been doubting that God had gifted them with any spiritual gifts at all. But the word of God declares that we are all gifted. I love how Reverend Eugene Peterson writes it in the message. He said, God's various gifts are handed out everywhere, but they all originate in God's spirit. God's various ministries are carried out everywhere, but they all originate in God's spirit. God's various expressions of power are in action everywhere, but God himself is behind it all. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit to all kinds of people. The variety is wonderful. That's a a paraphrased translation of 1 Corinthians that we read. And I love the imagery that each one of us is gifted by God in some way, as if God himself took a little piece of his holiness, a tiny sliver of holy giftedness, and places it within each one of us. Are you an artist? I know some artists in the room. Have you, you have been gifted with your artistic ability by the creator God. The same holy mind that designed the universe has gifted you with your artistic ability. 
The same God who creates sunsets, the same God who gives us the prism of color, has given you your artistic ability, and God's world would not be the same if you don't use your gift, and please use it to God's glory. Are you hospitable? I know some hostesses and hosts in this room. I've seen you all at coffee hour. I know who you are. Do you have the gift of hospitality? It's a spiritual gift. Think of how God created the garden of Eden and then created mankind and created woman and then gifted that to them. Walked them around and said every tree, every seed, every plant, every animal, every fish, everything on the ground is yours to oversee. He, he gave all of that to him in this radical act of hospitality. Or, or think about Psalm 23, 5 that says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. God lays this table before you in the presence of those who think that you don't deserve anything. What a radical act of hospitality that is. You anoint my head with oil, the psalm says. My cup overflows. You ever been, my, my great aunt Dorothy, I think she lived this phrase of scripture, your cup overflows. Your plate overflowed, your cup overflowed, your, you know, everything overflowed. She was a good Italian lady. She made sure you were cared for. She had the gift of hospitality. Preparing for and loving people, being hospitable, taps into God's spirit of radical hospitality and love. If that's your gift, God's world would not be the same if you don't use it. And please use it to the glory of God. What about you musical people? I know we have musical people. Can you sing? Can you sing? You sing. Can you make instruments? and share that with others. Can you play? I know that God appreciates music. I know without a doubt. In Job 38, when God is speaking from the whirlwind of the tornado, remember, and, and he and Job are having that moment where he's saying to Job, oh, you, you know a lot. Were you there when I laid the cornerstone of the world? Was that you when, when I opened the doors to the storehouses? God's listing all of the things that happen at God's command, and God is reminding Job of who God is, and he says, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who on what were its footing set, or who laid its quarterstone while the morning stars sang together, and all the angels shouted for joy. I know God loves music. Music is part of God's order of the world. He said, on what were its footing set or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang? Music is part of God's order. The gift of music is a sharing of God's own spirit, so use it. God's world would not be the same if you don't use it, and please use it for God's glory. Are you getting the picture there's a piece of you, there's a piece of the creator God in you that reflects him, and we are each vital to the operation of the body of Christ. We're each vital to the operation of the Christian community. 
in our churches, beyond our churches, in our world, because it's God's world. We are each vital because there's a part of us that was gifted to us by God and as a manifestation of God's very spirit. And the world will not be the same if we do not use it for God's glory. Some of you may not see God's spiritual gift within you. I love asking people what their spiritual gift is. I say, what do you believe your spiritual gift is? And they say, because sometimes we don't recognize things that come easy to us. Linda Hetzel, I'm going to pick on you for a minute. You and I had this conversation about cooking, didn't we? She said, I'm just a cook. No, you're not. When you cook and we feed people with souls, when someone came into this building and got 12 meals for their in-laws this week, you are using your gift for God's glory. The things that we take for granted sometimes, the things that come naturally, when, Leslie, when you painted the nursery and you used your gift for God's glory, that's, that's what God has done for us. Those of you who are hyper-organized, God bless you. Amen? Joyce, our secretary, she is blessed with administrative organizational skills, and she uses them for God's glory, because without her, the happenings of this church would not happen. Amen, Denise? When she was gone, Denise said, Pastor, I really miss her. I said, amen, sister. I really miss her too. The world is not the same without these gifts that we have. And things happen in the background all the time that we don't realize are happening. I've said it before, there are times that we all feel like, you know, if this is the body of Christ, I'm the appendix. Nobody really knows what I do. If I get angry, then I make a big deal. But nobody knows why I'm in there. We've all felt like the appendix in the body of Christ at times. But we are not. This word, if you believe this word from God, it says that those of you who feel lesser than are actually more important because it's easy for the faces of God's ministry to get all of the acclaim and all of the praise. And that's who Paul was talking to, those people who felt lesser than, those people who felt like the appendix. So I'm gonna ask you, what is your gift from God? You all have one. Some may have multiple. Anything used to God's glory is a gift. Paul lists some common gifts in his words here. Some are front and center kind of gifts, leaders, apostles, teachers, preachers, healers, those who offer guidance. Those all seem to be front and center kind of gifts, important gifts, ones that are noticeable. They're like, on the Emmaus example, they're like the 25 people that are front and center and out there and that the pilgrims see. But, but did you notice, nestled right in the middle of all of those big front and center words that the apostle uses, he says, leaders and apostles and prophets and teachers, miracle workers, and then right in the center, he says, help, those who help, the helpers. Right in the middle of all those center stage gifts is helping. 
Why would he list helper in the midst of all those big deals, those big gifts? Because helping is a vital part of the body. Are you a helper? Are you a behind-the-scenes supporter? Many times helpers don't get a lot of credit. They're just kind of back there doing their thing and nobody really notices them. That made me think of the Emmaus community again. There are gifted people, preachers and teachers and leaders and musicians and speakers, and those serving. There are those front and center people, but there's a job on the Emmaus team. They're called logs. And I didn't know they existed when I was a pilgrim. I didn't know what they did the first time I served on a team. The second time I served on a team, I found out what they did, and I said, oh, please don't ever ask me to do that. I don't want to do that. They're called logs. Took me a while to figure out what that meant because when you're serving on a team, the logs, you know, come together for the opening prayer and the opening worship, and then they say, okay, logs, you can go. So you don't really know what they do. They're just gone all the time. And then the walk comes around and you figure out they're the helpers. They, they clean the toilets. They sweep the floors. They reorganize the, the conference room that gets destroyed every day. They move the tables back. They're the first ones up and the last ones to bed. They're the ones that you call if you need an extension cord or if somebody needs to go to the hospital. They're the ones that you call if there's you know, an emergency and somebody needs to run out and get something. They're the helpers. You always see them around and they're always busy. And I thought, oh, I don't want to do that. They set communion. The walk can't happen without them, but most of the time the pilgrims don't even know they exist, even though they're with them the entire 72 hours. They're the helpers, the support people. They assist the other members of the team so that the ministry can happen, and they do it silently, and they go mostly unnoticed. But without them, the whole thing falls apart because they're seemingly invisible, and their very common work is what makes everything really happen. They're the foundation. Friends, we are all gifted. But more than being gifted... We are all grafted together. We are all grafted into one being by the work of the Holy Spirit of God. And each and every piece being grafted in is what makes the body complete. You ever have to have a skin graft or see a skin graft done? You're not complete. You're not part. You're not whole until that graft takes hold. We're all grafted together into one. We are one in the spirit because we are one in the Lord. We are one in the body because we are each a part of the body. None less significant than the other. And all God's people said, really? All God's people said, 